This morning, I want to turn your attention to Paul's letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. The, apostles, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1 is opening up and he's writing this letter. The letter to the church in Philippi was a letter of encouragement. One of the reasons Christians for centuries have been drawn to the letter to the Philippians in particular because it was a picture of a church that truly understood the Christian life. It was a picture of a church that truly understood what life looks like when it is gripped and captured by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul is writing this letter and he is not a free man. He is writing this letter in chains. He is writing this letter in solitary confinement. He is writing this letter as a prisoner for Jesus Christ and for the kingdom of God. And it is in that context that Paul writes this letter of encouragement to the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. This is the very word of God. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again and on this Lord's day the grass, yes, continues to wither and the flower continues to fade. For the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. What an epic passage. A passage that for so many of us, we have heard for so long. Verse 21, this idea, for to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. When an epic passage that Paul is trying to hammer home what life is all about and what true living looks like. You see, for every single one of us, we long to find what makes life worth living. For all of us, regardless of where you are this morning, regardless of what you believe, we all are born with a desire to find that thing that gives us purpose and meaning and hope and security in this life now and forever. And what Paul is trying to say here in Philippians chapter 1, he is encouraging the church at Philippi to say, you get it. You get what life is all about. And Paul wants to describe here in this passage what true living looks like. To be able to say in your life, now this is living. This is what life is all about. It's the dream of every single one of us. 
And Paul here in Philippians chapter 1 in particular, the passage that we just read spells out for us what that life is, that you can have that life, a life that is worth living, a life that means, yes, I have everything I need and more. After all, it is what Jesus said I've come to do. In the Gospel of John chapter 10, what does Jesus say? He says, I've come for this reason, that you might have life and have it to the full. I've come for this reason, that you might have life and have it abundantly. You see, the whole reason Jesus came is so that we would have life as it was meant to be lived, that we would have life that for some of us we never thought was possible, but becomes a reality in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Paul here spells out what this life looks like, what the Christian life looks like for those that are so captured and transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the life that Paul describes? Well, the first thing that we see here in Philippians chapter 1 is we see a life of singular focus. In verse 21, chapter 1, verse 21, we see a life of singular focus. That is what marks the Christian life, a life of singular focus. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Think about the ramifications of that. All of us go through life, and I want you to ask yourself the question this morning, for me to live is blank. If we were to really ask ourselves honestly this morning, for me to live is blank, what would fill in that blank for you this morning? Paul says, for me to live, it's Jesus. Jesus coming into my life has made my life worth living. I have figured out that there is now a singular focus and passion in my life, and it is Jesus Christ. Paul, out of all people, and he spells it out for us elsewhere in the New Testament, says, I have everything to boast about. I am the Pharisee of Pharisees, trained in the law, a legal expert and scholar, traveled the world, have material wealth and social uh, influence and affluence all over the known world. But Paul comes to the place finally in his life where he realizes one thing, that there is now just one singular focus and passion in my life because I have found the answer that makes life worth meaning, worth living, and that is Jesus and Jesus alone. To wake up with this passion, to wake up with this singular focus, that regardless of what happens to me in this life, that Jesus is at the center to realize in this life, to have a singular focus like Paul, that moving to a different city or changing careers or changing churches or changing spouses or changing your environment, that that is not what makes life worth living, but it is Jesus at the center. And Paul's able to say, to live, it's Jesus. That is life. That there might be other things that get my attention. There might be other things I do. But at the end of the day, Paul wakes up every single morning and there is one single passion and focus. And I ask you this morning, when you wake up every morning, is there one single focus and passion in your life to know Jesus and to make him known? Is he the center so that you would be able to say, for me to live... For there to be life, 
for me to understand what this life is all about, it is Jesus and Jesus alone. It was interesting, Tom Brady, several years ago, I think he had just won one or two Super Bowls. Uh, this was 10, 12 years ago. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, was being interviewed by 60 Minutes, and the interviewer asked Tom Brady, they said, are you satisfied? And Tom Brady looked at the interviewer and said, I'm not. I, I, I thought maybe winning multiple Super Bowls would do it, being the MVP of the NFL would do it, but I don't find myself satisfied. There's got to be more to life than this. And the interviewer looks at him and says, do you know what that is? And Tom Brady says, no, but I would love to find it. And we live in a world and a culture that is desperate to find that one thing that makes life worth living, the one thing that will give us meaning and passion. And Paul says, for me to live, it's simple. It's Jesus. A little girl was brought out onto a stage one Sunday morning, asked to recite the, the 23rd Psalm, and she stood up and she said, the Lord is my shepherd, and I don't want anything else. She nailed it. She nailed it. In her own phrase, in her own terminology, when Jesus is my shepherd, I don't want anything else. Is that your testimony this morning? Paul says the Christian life, a life worth living, the life that Jesus comes to give us to the full is a life with a singular focus. For me to live is Christ, period. Is that your life and is that your testimony this morning? The second thing that Paul tells us is not only is life, does life now have a singular focus, which is Jesus at the center, but the second thing he reveals to us is life with a fearless future. That the Christian life is marked as a life with a fearless future. Verses 21 uh, through 22 and 23. What does Paul say? He says, to die is gain. He says in verse 22, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, but I can't choose. He says, to live here is great, but to die is even better. You see, when, when Paul says for me to live as Christ, he's saying, I have found the ultimate treasure. Jesus is my treasure, the treasure that I've longed for, I've found. But when I die, it's gain. Because now I have the treasure in full. So whether I live... It's great. Whether I die, it's gain. Could you imagine living life like this? With a fearless future, a life that would be able to be settled by this amazing truth? Could you imagine living life with such a fear, fearless future that you would wake up in the morning and say, to live today, I win. Jesus. But if I die, it's gain. Could you imagine living life like that? The sleepless nights, the restless nights, the restlessness of the soul that we all deal with, waking up full of anxiety, our minds racing throughout the day of what I'm going to do and how am I going to handle this situation or what is tomorrow going to look like. Listen to me. If we actually believe that this was the Christian life, how radically different would our lives look like? If we actually believe this, to live as Jesus, but to die as gain. Who says this? 
a man who was so radically transformed by the goodness of Jesus Christ. He says, there's nothing you could do to me. Ravi Zacharias one time said, can you imagine Lazarus? Remember Lazarus in John chapter 11, raised from the dead by Jesus himself? He said, could you imagine if you walked up to Lazarus and said, Lazarus, you can't talk like this. You're going to get yourself killed. He probably just would have laughed at them. He said, killed, been there, done that. Can you imagine living life like this? That's why Paul had to be one of the most frustrating prisoners in the history of the world. He's singing songs in the stocks. He's witnessing to the imperial guards. Can you imagine going to Paul and say, hey, we decided to make you, uh, we decided to let you live, Paul. For me to live is Christ. Paul, we decided to kill you. To die is gain. You can't hurt me. You can't kill me. Fearless future. It's what we long for. To be able to live a life like this. You can't destroy me. I'm safe. I'm safe in the arms of God. We're going to let you live. To live as Christ, we're going to kill you. To die as gain. You couldn't touch this guy. And I want to ask you this morning, the very important question, are you more satisfied in Christ than what we lose in death and what we have in this life? Is he the treasure of treasures? To be able to live like this, it's the paradox of the Christian life. It is paradigm shifting and shattering to be able to say that there is one singular focus in my life and that I can live life with a fearless future. But lastly, it doesn't end there. Paul, last word that we read this morning, he says, you can also live a life with a selfless purpose. In verses 22 through 24, he says, this life is not just about me. Yes, to live as Christ, that's my singular focus. Yes, I can live life without fear of the future, but it's not just about me. In verses 22 through 24, he says, there is a life that is not just about you, but that we can live life with a selfless purpose. What does Paul say here? He says, if I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor, but I can't choose. It's hard to choose. In verse 23, what does Paul say? I'm hard-pressed between the two because of what? My desire to be with Christ. What's Paul saying here? He's saying, yes, to stay is glorious, but I'm hard-pressed because I want to be with Jesus in heaven. I'm torn. I'm torn. But what does he say? Verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, that I know that if I remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. What Paul is saying here is that for me to leave would be great for me. It'd be gain. I'd be with Jesus in heaven. But it's not about me. You see, because it's not just enough for my joy to be found in Christ. My whole purpose in life is for you and as many people as I can bring along with me for them to find their joy in Christ as well. You see, the Christian life takes us away from absorption of the self and to think that it's only about me and my joy and my purpose and my life and what we see here in the life of Paul is this outward facing others focused purpose and mission in life not just about me having joy in Christ 
but it's about you having joy in Christ as well. And the whole reason I want to stay here on earth, although it would be much greater to be with God in heaven, is my whole purpose in staying here is so that the joy that I have would become your joy as well. Every decision that we make is not for us, but what's best for the kingdom of God. It wasn't enough just for Paul to boast in Christ and to live in Christ, but he wanted thousands upon thousands upon thousands to find their hope and their joy in Christ as well. What a purpose. What a selfless life. One of singular focus and passion. One that was absent of fear and one that thought about others more than himself. But the only question that remains this morning is how do you have a life like this? What motivates us? What motivates you to have a life that is not absorbed with yourself, but absorbed with others? What gives you this motivation and moves you in such a way that your singular focus in life is not you and your well-being, but my joy and my singular focus is Christ and everyone else experiencing the same joy? What motivates you and me? What's the message of the good news of the gospel? You see, this is the good news this morning. The good news to you this morning is that for Jesus to become your treasure, we have to understand the good news that the treasure of heaven came down and he sought you and he looks at you this morning and he says, I want you to be my treasure. You see, the good news of Christianity and of the gospel is that the treasure of heaven came down and said this, for me to live is you, and for me to die means you gain eternity forever. The treasure of heaven came down and said, I do not count equality with God something to be grasped but that the treasure of heaven came down and said, I will become like a bondservant. I will give up my treasure so that for all those who believe and trust in me will be counted as the very treasure of the God, a treasured son and a treasured daughter forever. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of of men, the treasure of heaven lost his treasure so that you and I forever could be considered a treasured son and a treasured daughter. Back in 2008, Grapevine, Texas witnessed the strangest high school football game in maybe high school football history. In 2008, Faith Christian in Grapevine, Texas was getting ready for their big homecoming week and their big homecoming football game. Faith Christian in Grapevine, Texas was going to play a team that was located about 40 miles away called Gainesville State. But the coach of Faith Christian found out early in the week that Gainesville State had no fans that they were traveling to their campus and not only did they have no fans to travel with them, this team had never won a game. In four years, they had only scored two touchdowns. So the coach of Faith Christian, Chris Hogan, started making phone calls and sending emails out. 
And he started challenging all the parents. He said, this is what we're going to do on our homecoming night, at our homecoming game. We're going to divide our parents into two. And 200 parents I want cheering on the opposing sideline. And they said, what? Yeah, I want 200 parents cheering on the opposing sideline. I'm going to divide our cheerleading squad in two. And I want 16 cheerleaders cheering for the opposing team, Gainesville State. The kids and the parents thought he was nuts. He said, this is what we're going to do as Faith Christian Academy. And so lo and behold, Gainesville State pulls up on their bus. They walk onto the field. And what do they have? Parents upon parents lining up for 40 yards, creating a spirit line. Banners that they ran through. The students said after the game that we had people cheering for us for the first time ever. They were cheering for us to tackle their son. It didn't make any sense. We had cheerleaders from the opposing team. We had fans from the opposing team. And they were cheering for us. And they were even calling us by name. At the end of the game... The two teams met at the middle for prayer, and all of the parents from Faith Christian prepared little care packages for Gainesville State players. Some of them had never seen a gift before. They had hamburgers and candy, and each one of them received a Bible and a note from one of the players on the opposing team. But after it was all said and done, two armed guards came onto the field and put handcuffs on every boy from Gainesville State. You see, Gainesville State was Gainesville State Penitentiary. A bunch of 16, 17, and 18-year-old boys that had been arrested for crime. Some of them had no hope. Some of them had no future. And one by one, those boys were led away in handcuffs back onto the bus. But before they got back onto the bus, the opposing coach came up to Coach Hogan from Faith Christian Academy, and he grabbed him hard by the shoulders. And he said, you will never know, you will never know what you've done for these boys tonight. Every morning, these boys wake up, and they are told that they are the scum of the earth. But tonight, just one night, you made them feel like they were top of the world. The whole world has told them they are losers, but you, my friend, have told them that they are winners. You will never, ever know what you've done. Brothers and sisters, we should know, because if you are in Jesus Christ this morning, this is exactly how God has treated you. While all seemed lost, God came down in Jesus Christ and said, you will be my treasure through faith in me. In closing this morning, I want to challenge you with something. You and I live in a world that spends billions of dollars convincing you that there is a treasure out there under the sun. And if you can just somehow find that treasure, life will be worth living. And I want to challenge you today to not buy it. Do not buy that lie. Because the most tragic thing that can happen is for you to live life thinking that there is a treasure under the sun and that you die. Because there will be no gain on that day. There will be only loss. But the only tragedy is that you would go through life and not hear the invitation of Jesus Christ where he says, I have come and emptied myself so that you could be my treasured son and my treasured daughter. And that through me, 
you could see the greatest treasure that this world has ever seen. Jesus the Christ. And I want to invite you this morning, if you have never surrendered your life to this treasure, Jesus, that you would not leave this campus without surrendering your life to him this morning. That you would understand that Jesus, the one of infinite worth and value, is the only one that can satisfy you forever. The only one that can give you the hope that you long for. And the only one that makes life worth living. He is more than you could ever hope for or imagine. Hear this invitation. For whoever believes in me, I give them the right to become a child of God. Just surrender your life to him right now, this morning.